You're listening to the Sketchnote Army Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Rohde, the author of the Sketchnote Handbook and the Sketchnote Workbook. And this is the podcast where I chat with sketchnoters and visual thinkers and try to understand what makes them tick. Hey everyone, this is Mike and I'm here with William Warren. William, welcome to the show. It's so good to have you. Mike, I'm super excited to be here. Really looking forward to this conversation. This is awesome. Yeah, I'm really a big admirer of, of the work you're doing, the company that you've founded and that you're doing work with, and all the people that you employ are awesome, so couldn't wait to have you on. Alejo was actually on last season. He's one of your employees, one of your right-hand men, I guess. Um, yep. Really excellent guy, and I thought, well, we, we need to have William on so he can talk a little bit more about the business stuff and his journey, because um, you're involved in that business too. So before I talk anymore. Let me stop and ask, who are you and what do you do? Sure. Well, before I introduce myself, yes, Alejo's awesome. I listened to y'all's podcast. He did a great job. One of our stellar teammates at the Sketch Effect. We'll talk more about that, but we have an awesome team. It's the best part of my job is the people I get to work with, including Alejo and others. And uh, yeah, the admiration is mutual, Mike. I, I mean, I'm sure every podcast guest you have tells you that they have bought their bought your book and love your book. And so from the beginning, I've been a big fan of yours and the work that you're doing. And so um, the admiration is entirely mutual. And so I'm, I'm thrilled to be here and thrilled to talk to you. Thanks. All right. So what was the question? Sorry. I, I so, totally, so, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> so for those who don't know, uh, William is uh, just a recently a new dad for the third time. It is, his synapses are a little bit slower than normal. Yes. So we'll, uh, <laughs> I have a, um, I have a, I have a three week old at home. And so if I slur my words or if I say things that are incoherent, I'm just going to blame it on my kid, which is a great thing to do. It's like one of the parent privileges. Like as soon as you become a parent, you have an immediate excuse for things. You'd be like, Oh, it's my kid's yep. fault, whatever. So, uh, sorry, I'm I might, late. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I'm late. Sorry. I'm not making sense. Sorry. I'm, you know, whatever. But, um, Cool. All right. So you were going to say the, 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 or, or introduce myself, right? Yeah. Who, who you are and what you do. And if you want to go right into your origin story, just take the floor. Yeah, sure. So uh, my name is William Warren and I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm in Atlanta right now. And um, I am the founder and CEO of a company called The Sketch Effect. And um, I love what we do. We've been around now for um, about eight years and we have a team, uh, a full-time team. We have a team of contractors who work with and uh, yeah, we'll talk more about what we do, but I just love my job. I love that I get to do visual communication for a living. I love that I get to work with awesome people, and I love that we get to serve awesome clients and help them communicate their ideas and make them more successful. I love all those things about business. Um, But the origin story is, is interesting because I never set out to become an entrepreneur. I never set out to own a business. I never even set out to be a sketch note person or like a graphic recorder. None of that was ever on my radar. So my story wow. is entirely an organic thing that unfolded and, and uh, took me along the ride. So to tell my story, I'm going to rewind the clock back to when I was a kid, which is that when I was a kid, I always loved drawing. From a young age, I could not stop drawing and doodling, whether it was comics or drawing uh, Disney characters or sketching uh you know, little illustrations or doodling in class, uh, I was always drawing. And so I pursued that professionally for many years uh, with the aim of becoming a professional cartoonist. So all through high school and college, and then afterwards I did, uh, I had comic strips, I did editorial cartooning, um, won some awards in college, and was really excited about the idea of being a professional um, newspaper comic book artist or, or um, uh, comic uh, comic strip 
creator. And then um, just to give you a little bit of context, I graduated from college in 2008, which was at which was the recession, which was a recession, right. and the newspaper print industry was imploding. So the prognosis or the um, the potential of getting hired to be a syndicated comic strip artist was uh, very low. So uh, my career pivoted a few times, and I ended up in a corporate marketing job at Chick Fil A here in Atlanta. Um, uh, do you have Chick Fil A's up in Milwaukee? We do. Mike? Yeah, they're very popular now. We just have, okay. we have, I think, three that have opened in the city. It took a long time, but they are hugely yeah. popular. Lines all out the out the door every day. Oh yeah, except Sunday, of course. Except Sunday, whole you could write a whole book on operational efficiency and operational excellence just yeah. of the Chick Fil A drive through, and it would yeah, it's incredible what they've done. But anyways, I ended up in a uh, entry level part time marketing job at Chick Fil A corporate here in Atlanta. And uh, so my role was in marketing, but it was not a traditionally creative role. I wasn't drawing or illustrating or designing. I was mm. um, leading, uh, working with creative agencies. I was working with a team. I was doing things like email marketing and working with SEO um, agencies and um, loved, the, loved the role. It was awesome. I had a great team. I had a great boss. I love being immersed in a really great corporate culture being surrounded by inspiring leaders, learning about business, learning about marketing, learning about branding, learning about all these things that I really did not know a whole lot about. However, after about two years of that, I realized that the creative part of my soul, the part of my soul that loved to draw and illustrate and communicate ideas with pictures uh, was starting to shrivel up. It was starting to, um, to wither on the vine. And uh, so the origin story of the sketch effect really begins with trying to inject some creativity into my day-to-day -day, uh, nine to five when I was in that role. And so when I was in a meeting, I would have my notebook, but instead of taking notes normally, I would doodle in my notes. You know, I didn't know this sketch noting thing existed at the time. This is just me trying to make these meetings a little bit less boring, a little bit more fun. Um, so I would doodle in my notes, which is what I would do all through high school and college anyway. So this was nothing new for me. But I would doodle in my notes. Um, if we were if the, we were having a small team meeting, I'd hop up on the whiteboard and maybe I would sketch some of the notes on the whiteboard for everyone to see. If I was leading a presentation, I might draw out my concepts, scan them in, and put them into my PowerPoint deck. And like I said, for me, this was just a creative outlet. This is just a way for me to inject some creativity into my role to uh, to have some fun um, and to stay awake if the meeting was particularly boring. Um, not many were boring, but occasionally, you know, I had to keep myself alert. Um, now, the magic really started to happen. The lights really started to click when I realized that the people around me found value in what I was bringing to that meeting context, to that mm. business context. They said, hey, this drawing thing is really cool. Like, I, I, I really love, like, this meeting was more effective because you provided these sketches or this presentation was more effective because you presented your information not only with words but with pictures. And so uh, people word spread that there was this guy named William in the marketing department who did this drawing, this weird drawing thing. And Chick the Chick-fil-A corporate office has like zillions of whiteboards. They're everywhere and they're big. They're mad. They're like, there's like, they're a little bit like 24 feet wide, 12 feet high, like massive whiteboards. Wow. So uh, I had supply chain ask me to come sketch their meeting, uh, HR, you know, uh, corp comp, like different teams around the organization say, William, come help our meeting. Thankfully, I had a really cool boss. He was like, as long as you get your work done, I don't care. Go, you know, go help out. So I started doing this sketching thing for different teams. 
And then the light bulbs really went off when people outside the organization saw what I was doing and offered to pay mm-hmm. me real money and buy me real airline tickets to travel yep. to their meetings and their events and do the sketching thing. So I started to peel back the layers. I got on Google. I found this uh, weird book called The Sketchnote Handbook by this guy named Mike Mike Road. I thought it was Mike Road yeah. for many years, like Rhode Island, and I realized I was sure. wrong about that. Learned that there were other awesome companies out there doing this visual communication work. I realized that was what it was called, visual communication, mm-hmm. and that there was a whole industry around this idea of graphic recording, graphic facilitation, and I was really intrigued by it. And so uh, did a few gigs, gigs as a side hustle, took PTO, flew to Dallas, Texas for an event, flew to New Orleans for an event, flew to D.C. for an event. And after a couple of uh, after after doing these events, realizing how much I loved it and getting good feedback, I could see that there was momentum, and uh, decided to quit my job and start a business called the Sketch mm. Effect. And that was uh, 2013, a um, little over eight years ago. And uh, side note, I had just gotten married at the time. And so to anyone out there who's listening and thinking about quitting your job, make sure you run it by your spouse first, because <laughs> yes. that's probably not a good thing for a newly married woman to hear her husband, her, her, her well-employed husband to say, I'm going to quit my job and start this random business. But <laughs> thankfully, I have, a, I have a really cool wife. She's awesome and very supportive. And so we've had a, we've had a great journey. And um, so, yeah, I'll stop there. That was a lot. And mm. we can we can unpack that further, but um, no, that's yeah, great. Like that's I, really great. like I said, never set out to start a business, but it was just this kind of thing where there was momentum. I was excited about it, and so I just pursued the idea. It's almost like the business demanded that you that you do what it wanted, right? In some ways, exactly. I've told people before. I felt like there was a like a train like leaving the station, and I could either get on and kind of go for a ride mm. and see where it went, or I could let it go. And so, mm. thankfully, I took the risk and decided to. Um, to, to jump on the train. That's an interesting metaphor. Um, interesting side note, you mentioned Chick-fil-A. Uh, for two years, I actually was flown in by Chick-fil-A to do sketchnoting at the Chick-fil-A leader cast back in, man, 20, it might have been right about that time. You probably yeah. were employed at Chick-fil-A at the same time. That's awesome. Yeah, I think I remember that. Because, yeah, yeah, back in the day, Chick-fil-A was a sponsor of LeaderCast, and um, mm-hmm. they did sketch notes. And um, actually, they used me to do one year of it as well, which was really, really fun. Well, hopefully I, hopefully I paved the way for you getting getting to do that. I don't know. I'd have to look at the dates, but I know there's two years that I went. And the second yeah, year, we I took should, my wife we should, so it worked out Yeah, good. we should line up the dates and, and connect the dots and see. Because, uh, yeah. yeah, that's... Uh, Thankfully, Chick-fil-A val- really values kind of creative, like out-of-the-box yeah. th- thinking um, and innovation. So they value things like sketch notes and graphic facilitation, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. I really appreciated that. It was a great opportunity. And like you, it sort of opened my mind to, hey, there's something about this thing. They're going to pay to fly me down and put me in a hotel and, and then pay me to do the work. That was pretty cool. So yeah, it's awesome. You can definitely see they valued it. Um, so interesting question. When you first started, obviously, when you first started the company, it was just you doing the work. When did you decide that you needed more than just you to do the work? Was there a, a breaking point? You're like, I can't take all these gigs. I need another person. Or what was that story? Yeah. So there's really three factors to answer. There are three ways I can answer that question. The first way is that from day one, I never wanted it to just be the William Warren show. Mm, uh, I never wanted to work by myself. I am an extrovert. I love people. I love working with people. I love a occasional quiet work from home by myself day, but I'd rather yeah. have one of those in four days where I'm with people. 
So I ne- I always knew I didn't want to be alone. So from day one, I knew I wanted to grow a team and I wanted to grow a scalable business. Mm. And I wanted to have, um, yeah, people around me. And um, I wanted to have a culture and, and grow a brand. Like those are all things that I was really intrigued by. Um, so from day one, that was sort of the uh, the long-term vision was to make this a bigger thing than just William, um, which is extremely hard to do when you're trying to scale and grow a creative business. You know, it's not right. like we're making um, widgets or hamburgers, like we're, we're making creative products and services. So it's really difficult. But I was, you know, wanted to pursue it and see that see, see it happen. Um, mm-hmm. The second thing is that, as you alluded to, there was... One of the first um, gigs I had, um, the client said, oh, well, we want you to sketch the main session and then we want you to sketch the breakout sessions. And I'm like, okay, that's great. Um, I don't have a a time turner. If you, any Harry Potter fans are out there, like I I can't, I can't replicate myself and be in two places at once. So I literally have to have another person to help, help out. And so I remember I I called up my friend uh, Jai, who's still one of our amazing uh, sketch artists uh, still working with us. And I said, Hey, um, I'm going to go to Orlando and do this really weird thing. We're going to go in a meeting. We're going to, we're going to draw what they're talking about. You're a creative dude. You seem like flexible and, and, and cool. So come with me and let's do this. So we flew down there and did that gig together. Mm. Uh, and you know, he was in a breakout and I was in a breakout. And, um, so yeah, that was the second factor was just logistically, there had to be more than just me. Like it, it mm-hmm. was impossible. Um, and this was long before Zoom, long before events were recorded or pre-recorded. Mm-hmm. Like this was live in a ballroom in Orlando in different breakouts. Um, and then the third reason, I think the, the thing that really started to light the fire of scaling up and hiring a team was I had my first kid. Uh, that was in mm-hmm. 2016. So in 2014 and 2015, in most of 2016, I was working like 70, 80-hour weeks. Um, wow. I was... I was doing, uh, I was doing the, the sketching, I was doing the operations, I was doing the sales, I was doing all the factors that go into running a business. Um, and so in 2015, I started to kind of explore hiring full-time people. That was mm-hmm. when we hired our first two full-time roles. But in 2016, when our first son was born, I remember sitting down with my wife and she saying, her saying to me like, this work schedule has to change. Like you, like we can't, and I agree with her. I like, I, I was getting burned out. I was, um, mm-hmm. I remember one night staying up till 4 AM the day before my oh. grandfather's funeral to finish a client project and then getting three hours of sleep and then going and eulogizing mm-hmm. my grandfather's funeral. So I was like, this, this lifestyle has to change. So, um, those three factors really led to, um, the, the desire and the drive to start scaling up, hiring people, delegating, finding people who are far better than I am at doing aspects of the business and then empowering them to go and be excellent mm. at those things. Um, mm. So that's really the story about how Sketchfect went from a side hustle kind of a creative outlet to a um, you know a business. Now we've got 10, we have 11 full-time team members and a handful of contractors. And mm. it's, been, uh, it's been an exciting journey. Well, it's interesting, like you talked about the train leaving the station, in some ways, it's like you made this, you had this initial vision that you wanted it to be more than just you, partly because that's what you, that's your personality and what you liked and what your dream was. And then like these, these pivot points were like the reminders from the business that remember what you said, you need more people. Well, we got to get Jaya. Remember what you said, like this can't be sustained. It sort of pushed you like that push forward to like make the move. So that's pretty interesting to hear. 
how yep. those things all work together to move you to the place where you're at now. Um, yep, it's been it's been great. Question for you then is okay. So you sort of brought us up to the point of like maybe up to 2019 when things were quote unquote normal, whatever that even means, <laughs> where you're flying to ballrooms or businesses or whatever, and you're doing it in person in front of large crowds or small crowds. That changed in 2020, right? So how did you and the business deal with that? I know a little bit, if you want to go back and listen to Alejo's interview after this, you'll hear his perspective. I would love to hear your perspective because you know, I have 10, 11 people. I don't know what, what your staff was at the time. And suddenly the world changes overnight. You've got to be, you've got to be uh, um, pretty adaptable. How did you deal with that? Well, thankfully, adaptability is one of our core, one of our six core values, and uh, 2020 really put that to the test. It was like, all right, time mm. to prove it. Are you adaptable or are you not? Um, and to give you a bit of context, uh, we, ever since 2013, we've our, our our company has has grown. We've grown up and to the right. We've hired people. Our revenues have gone up. Our clientele has gone up. 2020 was the most disruptive year. Uh, the first year where we just really just got just just as many people did you know especially in our in, in our industry and in, in anyone who works in events um, hospitality events uh, any type of job that requires people to be on site and together um, we all just got our clocks cleaned in 2020 yeah, yeah. and so I remember um, vividly it's uh, I was reflecting with my team about this the other day but I remember in February when the it started to kind of run, like it started to kind of rumble like there sort of started to be this kind of like growing building Something's anxiety about this yeah. this covid this covid thing I was like ah no big deal it's going to blow over like whatever and then I remember talking to my salespeople at the time um being like these these like leads are drying up like people aren't reaching out anymore like we've had we're having events get canceled and I remember the first thing we had an event in Seattle and we had two artists on deck to fly out there and it was like late February and the client canceled. And we're like, hmm. you're canceling because of this COVID thing, like coronavirus, like this is weird, like, come on. Yeah. And so we watched our sales pipeline dry up and then we watched gigs get canceled and we watched gigs get postponed. And then overnight our revenues dropped 80% uh, wow, over year, year over year. So we're like, this is a problem. We need to deal with this. And um, you know, at the time we we're like, what can we do? Well, the first thing we could do is is pivot to virtual. Um, and thankfully, we had already laid the groundwork for this as a company. Um, in 2019, this is a story about why innovation is not just a buzzword, but actually a really critical thing that can save your business. In 2019, we decided in the spirit of innovation to buy our whole team iPads and buy our whole team um, Apple Pencils and Procreate and teach and train how to do sketchnoting digitally. Mm. We, had done, we had done it before, it was a thing we had done, but it was always sort of a, a peripheral, kind of like, mm. a novelty, like a novelty thing, like, oh, well, we can do it the old fashioned way with markers on foam core and paper, or we can do it digitally. And so some of our clients thought that was cool, but the vast majority kind of wanted the, the traditional approach to graphic recording. Mm-hmm. Um, so thankfully in 2019, we laid the groundwork. So when, when 2020 happened, we were able to, able to pivot quickly. And within a matter of days, I remember Alejo and I came to the office. We hired a videographer that we know. We're like, we're going to make a new product and we're going to call it Remote Notes. We're going to give it this kind of catchy name called Remote Notes and we're going to launch it. And so within a, within a matter of days, we, we, we scripted, filmed, produced, and launched a new website or a new landing page mm. with a new product called Remote Notes. And we, we went to all of our clients and we one by one, we emailed them. We're like, hey, 
We know these are hard times. We know that you're disrupted. We're disrupted too. We're here for you. We have a solution. If you want to make your virtual meetings a little bit more engaging, mm -hmm. uh, we'd love to log in as a virtual attendee and sketch your meeting. And this is kind of a Hail Mary. You know, at the time, we weren't sure if, um, if this would uh, resonate, if people had the appetite for it, the budget for it, if they wanted it. And so for the first few months, we sold a few of these, but it was definitely not enough to make up for the lost revenue from live events. Mm -hmm. So for about three to four to five months, we were just like in the red, like losing money. I was stressing about keeping my team on the payroll, like all these things I'd never thought about before. I would never worried about like, hey, when when do we need to lay people off? Like I'm like doing the mental, the math and the forecasting, like, okay, right. well, we have this much run rate or this much runway before we have to start making hard decisions. Thankfully, we never had to do that with our full-time mm -hmm. team. Um, the product did take off. So at the end of the summer, virtual events really started to take off. I think once people realized that this COVID thing wasn't just gonna go away overnight, that we were gonna be in it for a little bit longer than we expected. And so we started selling virtual events, virtual engagements. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, and then the fall and then winter was great. We had our best quarter ever. Um, wow. So like our, our sales was kind of like the hockey stick. It was like just bottomed out in uh, <laughs> in the spring and then just like started to build up and then just Boom. shoot up at the end of the year. So wow. it was a wild year, but you know, I think it was good for us as a business because it forced us to think outside the box. Like how do you do sketch noting and graphic recording when people can't be together, when there's no markers, when there's no paper, like how do you, like, it's, it's really like a, it's a, it was a, it was a living laboratory of an innovation disruption, disruption exercise. Like with the world, if the world turns upside down, literally, how are you going to keep your business going? How are you going to keep your work yeah. going? Good challenge. And so, um, and then as a team, it was a great year for us as a team, just to rally around each other. Like we were kind of all in the trenches together. I was honest with my team about the financials. Like, this is what we have. Uh, don't worry. We're not going to lay anyone off until <laughs> this date. Like, we so we're to. good. We're yeah. good. We're good for now. And, um, I think the team really appreciated kind of being in that all together. Yeah. Um, and, uh, turning the ship around. It's interesting. I, something that struck me is it was really great that you did the innovation you're ready and you pitched it to those customers. I kind of have a feeling like maybe the customers had to get their own footing before they could think about it, right? So that might explain that spring, early summer, like, what are we going to do? Like, we, we're solving our own problem. Like, we love the idea, but we're not ready. And then maybe at some point in the summer, like, oh, we got this event. We got, we're doing it remotely. Let's get William's team in here. That would be awesome. The perfect alignment, right? So that would explain sort of the sudden takeoff is like the, the, the companies themselves had to figure out what they were doing. One question that sort of strikes me is if things, let's say today, suddenly coronavirus ceased to exist, like we can't find it anymore and things are back to normal. We can do remote or we could do in person. What is your sense? And you obviously don't know because customers make these decisions, but do you get the sense that the remote notes are just a consistent part of your business now? And that maybe, maybe some companies actually prefer or choose those over the traditional for a variety of reasons. What would you, what would you think you might, if you were to make a guess and pro yeah, prognosticate? I, I, I think that the virtual sketching, virtual graph recording is here to stay. And mm -hmm. I think that's a good thing because I think there's some meetings that function better virtually. For instance, yeah. if you have a, if you have a global team, it's not feasible to fly people in from Hong Kong and, and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Tokyo and, and Budapest and England and all these places. Like, Sometimes it makes sense to gather virtually. And I think that 
uh, virtual events are not going to go away. I think that they're just going to find their truest and best uh, context. Because at the same time, I also think that in-person events cannot be fully replaced. Because right. there's nothing there's nothing like being physically with somebody, rubbing shoulders, having all of your senses engaged, like hearing great music, eating great food, having camaraderie in person. So I think that to predict the future, the virtual events will settle into their best use case, their best context, and the in-person events will settle into their best context. And then we'll move forward doing both, uh, doing both mm -hmm. with excellence mm -hmm. and doing both um, meeting, uh, adding value to both contexts because the value add is the same. I, I'm convinced the value mm -hmm. add, uh, you know, for graph recording and sketch notes and, and interactive sketching, the value add is the same. We're making the meeting more engaging. We're making it more exciting. We're enhancing the learning experience for people. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're getting a better learning experience with the addition of visuals. And then we're making the we're extending the value of the event after the fact by giving them relevant, tangible takeaways that are fun to look at that you can print out. You know, I've got uh, I've got one here on my desk uh, from mm -hmm. when I when I gave a uh, a keynote to my team. Um, That's nice. You know, it's just the va the value that sketch noting and graph recording adds to events is really the same whether it's virtual or in person. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think that both will be a permanent fixture in the. Um, in the event industry and with the visual um, visual practicing industry as well. Mm. I agree. I think I think in some ways, like you hate to. I mean, I wish there was no pandemic, but hey, this is reality. In some ways, I think it forced um, everybody to innovate, and I think for the visual thinking space, maybe it was actually a godsend because we might have like hung around and like yeah that digital thing is nice but we can do it in person and like it allowed us to not like it was like those the, the items you cited where hey jai we got to go to orlando right you were forced to make a decision and do something and it changed your business probably right it made it okay i talked about wanting to have a team now i really need a team right it wasn't like exactly. theoretical anymore in the same way and i think so exactly what you're saying, like the digital remote thing makes, I think it actually expands the opportunity for visual notes to appear because in, there might've been like, yeah, you know, it's five of us we're meeting and they're all over the world. We can't afford to fly anybody. Where would we fly them? Now yeah. you can do it remotely. It now opens up a channel that never existed. So there's all these new opportunities to apply these remote note-taking things. I would say on the opposite side, on the in-person because of because of that, that actually makes the in person more valuable, more desirable, more special, right? So there's fewer, but they have more impact. Like, wow, I got right. to meet in person now means some. It's sort of like, sort of like when uh, emails became really common. Like getting a handwritten personal note in the mail is like, wow, this is awesome, right? Like it amplifies the other thing. So in some ways, it sort of it took this narrow thing that we used to do and like forced it open and made it the opportunity there if you're willing to go for it, right? And it yeah. sounds like Sketch Effect is willing to go for it and ready to go for it, which is really cool to hear. Well, I'm a big believer that every challenge is an opportunity in disguise. Every challenge is an opportunity to, um, to, uh, to rise to the occasion. Um, I'm a big believer in growth mindset that when you get handed a really difficult situation, that it is an opportunity to grow and it's an opportunity to expand what you're able to, able to do. And a good example for that is like, I'm not a good tech person. Like I'm the first one to admit that. Like thankfully Alejo mm -hmm. and others on our team are really wired to think well with the tech side of things. I'm not. Mm -hmm. 
so when when the whole world went virtual, uh, part of me panicked because I'm an analog guy. I love like yeah, tact. Yeah. I love tactile. I love to feel the paper. I love to to feel the markers. I like to get ink on my fingers. Um, and so, you know, I was a little bit worried. Oh, we're all going virtual. It's all going to be on iPads. Like I don't know if I can handle this. But um, but you know, growth mindset. We can do it. We can rise to the occasion. We can figure it out. And uh, yeah, every every challenge is an opportunity in disguise, uh, both in mm. business and in life. And you nailed it. Like I think that uh, ver- the COVID pandemic, even though extremely disruptive in the short term, and I wouldn't wish it on us ever again, it did force us to think differently about how do we do how do we do what we do. And it, it's opened up the globe now. Um, you know, if you're an amazing sketchnoter and you live in like. Um, Phnom Penh, Cambodia or something, and, and you would never get flown to London, then, you know, all of a sudden, if, if you're out there, you can get hired, you know, you can do mm-hmm. amazing work for companies all around the globe. You know, we, we're now we're now talking to artists that are in different markets. Like, before, when we would hire new artists, we would be looking at what city are they in? Like, are they near a big airport? Can they get to mm-hmm. can they physically get and now those those parameters are thrown out the window. It's like if you're a talented sketch note or you're a talented graphic recorder and you can work digitally, I don't care where you live. You know, you could live in, yeah. uh, you know, Paraguay for you know, or somewhere that uh, mm-hmm. um, that would never have an in-person you know summit for a big corporate event. But but if you're great, we can we can work with you. Um, mm. And then from a business standpoint, the clientele now is worldwide. Like we can work with. Yeah. Uh, clients and companies all over the world in different languages. And, and that's one thing that we're working on now at the sketch effect is like, how do we, how do we serve different clients, different time zones, different languages and all sorts of stuff mm. like that. But, but yeah, it's, it's been, it's been an interesting journey. Uh, wouldn't want to relive it. Um, I'm hoping for more <laughs> stability. I'm hoping 2022 is the year of stability and just like yeah. smooth and just like kind of uh, uh, just like get back to the basics. But once is enough. <laughs> Yeah. One pandemic. I, I can do one. I can do one. I can't do two. 1918 had theirs. We had ours. Okay. Exactly. hundred years exactly. from now, you can deal with yours. Exactly. Um, so we, we're sort of on this uh, topic of pandemic in a fun way. What are some of the things that you did, you and your family did to kind of keep yourself sane when like all the things you normally did stopped and when the places you went closed or like what were some of the things that you did for fun to kind of counterbalance that? Well, this was not for fun, but there's a craft beer place like a like a half mm. a mile down the road. So, so I, I I drink a lot of craft beer, but no, actually healthy healthy things. Um, I'm a, I I love getting outdoors. I love exercise. I love working out. I love uh, running. So for me, like getting outside is like was like my therapy. Like just mm. getting out, going for a long run. When I run, I think clearer. Uh, mm. I start to make connections. I start to think about problems, how to solve them. I start to have epiphanies. Um, so that's, that's a big one for me is just Mm. getting out there and, um, and, uh, getting active and getting Mm. my blood pumping and going on a great run, listening to good music as well. Mm -hmm. Um, in terms of new hobbies I took up, I, um, I don't, I don't know if I did take up any new hobbies. I think I just doubled down on the things that I I loved already doing. Um, like Mm. the, the work, the working out and the exercise. Mm. Um, but I did. I was one of those crazy people that actually traveled during the pandemic. I love mm. traveling. Traveling also fills my soul and kind of fills me up. And so, um, believe it or not, I actually uh, traveled. I went to Istanbul and I went to Belgrade, Serbia, in um, October of 2020 because they were one of the only. They were two of the only countries that were letting people in. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so my buddy and I were like, "Let's go!" Um, and you know, we, we took the <laughs> took the PCR test and did all the things and. Uh, sure. 
you know, did it, did it legally. But um, that was another thing was just like trying to replicate like the travel experience in big and small ways, whether it's going to like a different neighborhood in your city you've never been to or um, mm -hmm. uh, even hopping on a plane. Yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunities like uh, being a visitor in your own town, you know, exploring places because you're just so busy living your life. You don't often go to those places or maybe you take the tour that the, that the, that the tourists get and you learn something about your city that you didn't know before. That could be a fun exactly. way to do it too. Exactly. Yeah, interesting. This episode of the Sketchnote Army podcast is brought to you by Concepts, an infinite canvas sketching app built for tablets with a stylus like the iPad Pro. Microsoft Surface, and Samsung Galaxy Tab. Concept's Infinite Canvas lets you spread out and sketch in any direction. Everything you draw in Concepts is a flexible vector, so you can move your notes around the canvas or change their color, tool, or size with a simple gesture. Search Concepts in your favorite app store for infinite, flexible sketching. Well, let's switch into tools. Um... I know you mentioned you got your team iPad Pros and Pencils, so I'm guessing that you probably got some experience with that in Procreate. So let's start first with analog, though. Pencils, pens, papers, any kind of tools that you... What are the things you enjoy that you like to use? My favorite uh, thing for drawing, just like not necessarily sketching, but just drawing, is I just love a uh, like a black gel pen. Um, hmm. Let's see, what do I have? Like uh, this guy, the Intergel. Um, yeah, those are good ones. This is like the metal barrel, which is like super cool. It just like mm, feels fancy. cool. Um, and then I also love just using um, Tombow, Tombow markers for like oh, yeah. shading, shading and color. And those are nice because they have two nibs, right? There's the brush side and then the small yep. nib side on the other side. Yeah, we got yeah we got the brush. This is a video podcast. You can see. Yeah, so we can show. You got if you're the listening brush. on the podcast and audio, you can watch the video and check it yeah. out. Yeah, and then yeah, both of those are useful. And then if I want to. Um, if I'm doing actually uh, analog sketch noting, I like to use a solvent-based pen. I don't think I have any right around here. But there's a pen I love called the... Um, gosh, I'm blanking on the name. Clearly, I don't love it as much because I can't, I can't recall the name. Blame my kid. I blame my kid. Uh, I'm sleep-deprived. Um, but it's a, it's a solvent-based marker, and it's got uh, two tips, too. It's got like a bullet tip, and it's got like a mm. fine tip. And those are great because used in tandem with the water-based um, Tombos, uh, mm. they don't they don't they don't bleed each other. They don't um, bleed with each other. So you can do this really beautiful like uh, you know typography with your with your solvent mm. marker, and then you can come in and kind of fill it in with a color, and it doesn't bleed, and it looks super awesome. Mm. So that's my go-to for for personal sketch noting. Um, I think I actually mm. have an example right here. Let's see. And, by, and then when you say solvent, for people that don't know, that's like a sharpie marker, alcohol. Correct. Based, basically. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Any marker that stinks is a solvent yeah. marker. <laughs> if you get a headache yeah. as you sniff it, which I don't, I don't recommend that. Uh, don't do that. Um, but if if uh, if it's got a fume to it, that's a solvent based marker. Um, mm -hmm. And um, the opposite, of course, is water based, which is what we use for right. all of our in person graphic recording because it's it's safe. It's not going to cause fumes. Um, right. And um, fun note, fun side note: one of my first graphic recording gigs, I used a solvent based marker, and it did not go over very well because the room got fumey and people were like, "Man, we need to like air this out." So. That's uh, one of my one oh, of wow. my fail one of my fails from early 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 days. Um, getting your getting your customers high, I guess, right? Yeah, exactly. So like this is this is a sketch note where um, I use the solvent based. So like you can do okay. like cool cool uh, like drawings. Sorry, I'm like looking at the uh -huh. camera's reverse. 
like draw yeah, this and like fit, fill it in with this like this green color, and uh-huh. um, and it doesn't it doesn't bleed it doesn't it doesn't uh, soften holds muddy, that edge. Muddy. Yeah. Do you have a paper that you like to use? It looks like you're using loose sheets. Is that your typical choice? Like a marker marker uh, oriented loose sheet of paper, or do you do you use notebooks? What's your preference there? If I if I am sketching just for myself personally, so like I, I think this is one thing that is always a good distinction when you're talking to the mm. sketch noting community, is that there's 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 a bunch of different contexts. There's there's personal sketch noting and there's also mm. professional, and the way you go about both can be very different. So if I'm yeah. doing personal sketch noting, like if I'm just in a meeting and I'm just doodling in my notebook, I use a moleskin. Uh, I like the moleskin sketchbook um, with mm-hmm. the thick paper, the thick unlined yeah. paper. Yeah, I love that because I, I like to keep all my ideas in a book. And then as soon as the book is done, mm-hmm. I label it with the year and the dates and I shove it in my drawer so I can reference it later. Um, mm-hmm. But if we're doing uh, sketch noting for clients, we use loose leaf paper because we can strap it onto a, um, a uh, like a clipboard and then we can give it, we can physically hand it over. Like mm-hmm. if, it's in a, if it's in a sketchbook, then you got to like rip it out or cut it out or something. Right. right. So yeah, I love, you know, st- what is it? Um, like a... I should know this, but like a, a heavy paperweight, like probably 120. Um, okay. It can handle the inking and stuff. And yeah, it can. It can exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Especially, you don't, you don't want to leave, uh, especially if you're using a solvent-based marker, you don't want to leave spots on the table you're working on or... Yep. Assuming you don't bring your own, but yeah, interesting. Exactly. Exactly. And then digital, you know, we use we use iPads, we use Procreate. Um, it's a great, I mean, it's state-of-the-art, uh, lots of amazing mm-hmm. tools. Um, a lot of shortcuts, really cool things you can do with the digital medium. But if I had to choose between the two, I, I just love analog. I mean, we talked about this already. I love just like feeling the paper. I love um, making mistakes and then figuring out how to fix it. Um, yeah. With with digital, digital's great, but also digital can also be paralyzing because if you if you make a mistake, you can like delete it, replace it, move it, resize it. And before you know it, you know, so you're especially if you're sketch noting in a live content um, context, uh, you're going to miss content. You're going to miss, you're going to, mm-hmm. you're going to lose track of the ideas because you're so busy perfecting the little thing you did. Whereas with uh, analog sketch noting, you kind of have to just like make the mark and move on. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I think both are awesome. Both are incredible. And, and we, we love both. And I should probably even get better at the digital. Um, but, um, but, uh, but yeah, the iPad's awesome. Procreate's awesome. Photoshop's awesome. I mean, we got Cintiqs in our office that we use sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a great tool as well. And, uh, yeah, that's probably, those are my go-tos. Those are great. Those are great tools. Um, so the next question I have for you is, um, so imagine there's someone listening. I hope there's someone listening who is a visualizer, whatever that means to them. They feel really good about the space. They're excited, but maybe they've just sort of hit a plateau like at this point when they're listening. Kind of just doing the same thing over and they just need a little inspiration to kind of maybe be uh, ex- explorational or inspirational to go up a little bit in their in their process. What would be three things you might recommend to someone like that to help them break out of that uh, plateau? Yeah, the first thing I would do would be to give yourself, I would encourage people to give themselves boundaries um, mm-hmm. I think that there's a sense that like creativity flourishes best when you're just like unhindered and, 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 and yeah. free and floating and, and you can do all these things. I actually don't think that's true. I think creativity flourishes when in, in with restrictions, with boundaries. So if you find you're hitting a plateau, um, I would encourage people to um, give themselves artificial boundaries. Like mm. try doing it 
in black and white only, you know, try doing mm-hmm. it without color, try uh, sketch noting really small, try doing it really big, um, try doing it digital if you're an analog guy, try doing it analog if you're a digital person. Um, I think boundaries are really healthy to uh, to have, um, not just in creativity, but in life as well. <laughs> um, and um, so that's the first thing I would encourage, just, is just give yourself some, some boundaries. The second thing is, this is a visualization hack that I like, which is when I'm trying to think about how to visualize something, I imagine what would my favorite movie or TV show do with this idea or this concept. Mm. So um, I think you have, I think I saw you have a Mandalorian thing on the back yeah. on your wall. Is that right? Yeah. So like, if I'm thinking about this idea, how would this play out in a scene in the Mandalorian? Like just kind of visualizing as a movie uh, helps you kind of push yourself outside of your, um, out of your, out of your typical kind of creative That's a great tip. And then number three, number three, I would say pursue adjacent creative activities. So like if Mm. you are, if you're someone who loves to draw and drawing is your thing, but you're hitting a plateau, then why don't you try painting? You know, bust out some paints, Mm. try painting, see how that goes, or try music, try doing different things. I think that um, creativity is one of those things that as you pursue it in other areas, the adjacent areas will start to start to thrive as well. They'll, they'll be fed by that adjacent creative energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, think of things that you haven't done in a long time. Like I love oil painting. I, I did a lot of oil painting back when I was in college. And it's one of those things I'm like, I need to get back into it. Uh, but um, like, so yeah, if you, have a, if you have a creative thing that you used to love to do, like go back to that, try it out, um, try new stuff, get together in groups um, in like social social groups and, and do creative work together, feed off each other's energy. Um, Cause yeah, creative burnout and plateauing is a real thing. It's a real thing mm-hmm. that we don't talk, talk enough about. And I think there's a lot of strategies and tactics to, to mitigate that. Hmm. Well, this, those are three great ones. Thanks. Thanks for those, William. Really, yeah, uh, sure thing. really like all three. So I guess the final question is how can people find you like uh, websites, social media accounts, What's the best way to get in touch with you and then also Sketch Effect, the company that you run? Yeah, so if, uh, if folks want to connect with me, um, I'm on Instagram at uh, my handle is The Conquering Creative. So it's a platform that is really more about equipping creatives with basic mm. bus- business ideas, business concepts. Mm. Um, sometimes very straightforward, like how do you read a PL statement? Like what are the key things to look for? And sometimes more kind of uh, encouragement, like, uh, just around the idea of like running your own business or trying to figure out mm. business. Cause for a lot of creatives, for most creatives, the business stuff does not come naturally to us. Um, you know, we went into be, we went into a creative field because we like the, the creative work. We like drawing, mm-hmm. sketching, painting, uh, designing, whatever it is. Um, and so the business stuff tends to get put on the back burner or it tends to be something that we're either afraid of, intimidated by, or bored with. And so this Conquering Creative Platform was really um, created just to give back some advice and some mm. practical tips for people. So I encourage people to connect with me there. Um, that's where I'm, I'm most active um, on Instagram. The Sketch Effect, uh, of course, you can find us on Instagram at The Sketch Effect, online at thesketcheffect.com, on LinkedIn, on all the channels. Um, the team uh, has been doing great content lately. It's been, it's been awesome. So I encourage people yeah. to check it out. And uh, yeah, shoot us a note. I mean, we love the Sketchnote community. Um, we uh, we love uh, adding value, cr- sharing tips, um, sharing uh, mistakes, sharing all the things. So I encourage people to check us out there and um, 
and uh, shoot us a comment. Let us know what you want to learn about um, or talk about. Yeah, you guys have been doing a great job uh, teaching. I've noticed the teaching both in courses, but also like micro teaching using Instagram to teach concepts and show ideas and encourage. So I, I think I really like, I like when I see that uh, sort of pouring back into the community. I mean, we have a great community that's really welcoming and encouraging, and it's good to see, um, you know, a group like yours that's doing this professionally, really giving back and, and you know, encouraging. I mean, it makes sense because it's very likely the next employee that you're going to hire is going to come from this community. So to invest in that community makes total sense, and it, it's a win-win for everybody, right? So yep. thank you for yep. Thank you for that. Absolutely. We've enjoyed it. It's been been a lot of fun. Well, this has been really great to have you on, William. It's really good to hear your story. I didn't know that story. Um, it's possible we were in the same room, in the, in the green room at the Chick-fil-A leader cast, where I had my if first all, Chick-fil-A if all, sandwich. If only, we, <laughs> if only we knew. Yeah, we should go back and uh, retrace that history. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll have to dig it up. And for everybody who's listening, uh, when we do... Um, We'll have show notes, so we'll find we'll find links to the pen that uh, William couldn't remember the name of. We'll put that in there. Um, and if you're listening to the audio, of course, go back and check out the uh, the video. You can see that side of it as well. We're doing YouTube this season, so thanks so much for being on the show, William. This is really great. I really have enjoyed this discussion with you. Yeah, Mike, this is awesome. Uh, shout out to you, all the great work you're doing. Uh, you're you are one of the pioneers of this whole world, um, and so I I appreciate just what I've learned from you. And um, I got your book on the shelf right behind me. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so thanks for doing this podcast. Thanks for keeping this community going and uh, giving back to it. And uh, yeah, next time you're in Atlanta, we'll hang out. Next time I'm in Milwaukee, we'll hang out. And um, yeah, appreciate the opportunity to share. Hopefully this was valuable to your listeners. And um, let's keep let's keep sketching. Yeah, that sounds great. Well, for everyone listening to the or watching the show, this will be another Sketchnote Army podcast until the next episode. Talk to you soon. The Sketchnote Army podcast was created by me, Mike Rohde, and brought to you by Rohde Design Studios. It's produced and edited by Alec Polianis of Amp Creative Studios. The theme music was created by John Schiedemeyer. To support the creation of this show, I invite you to buy one of my books, The Sketchnote Handbook or The Sketchnote Workbook. You can find the books on Amazon or go to peachpit.com and use the code Rohde40 for 40% off. Please share this podcast with other visual thinking friends and be sure to leave a nice rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app so others can find the show.